Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to you all. This is another edition of Canada's most irreverent talk show. You're tuned in to the Andrew Lawton Show here on True North. It is Tuesday, September 20th, 2022, and we have some breaking news that just came in like five seconds ago across my desk. So if you are reading the little description on YouTube or Facebook, this is not at all what I mentioned in there because I want to talk about this for just a couple of moments and then we'll get on to the really fun stuff. But Canada is, according to the Globe and Mail, going to drop the COVID-19 vaccine requirement for entering the country on September 30th. So in 10 days time, you will no longer need to be fully vaccinated to enter the country. They're also on September 30th going to make arrive can optional and they are going to end random testing on arrivals, September 30th. Now uh, they are, according to this story, keeping the mask and uh, the mask mandate in place for trains and planes because it's Canada. You can't actually ever believe that you're totally free of the restrictions of COVID stand. But if you're tuning in, if you've had a loved one that lives in another country that hasn't been able to come here for two years, they will be able to, barring any other changes, on September 30th. So I want to read the actual announcement and the actual order. This is coming from a a Globe and Mail story that's been leaked by a a couple of quote-unquote unnamed government sources. I believe the story. There's been little drips and drabs of something like this happening. But I want to actually read it before I I say what's going on because we know that the government has said that it's working to a quote-unquote evolved definition of fully vaccinated. We know they're talking about having up-to-date vaccination where having two doses of Pfizer or Moderna doesn't actually mean all that much. But we also know they're seeing Canadians grow more and more wary. And I'd say grow more and more weary, too. The Canadians are weary and wary right now. We're, we're all the wearies of... Uh, not Aaron Weary at CBC. We're not turning into him. But we're weary of the restrictions. We're wary of government making them. And I think government realizes this, that it no longer has the legitimacy to impose all of these different restrictions and mandates on people. So September 30th, uh, I'm getting this from the Globe and Mail. I also have heard other whispers of this, uh, and we'll have uh, some updates as well uh, as the show goes on. So if uh, to, to the producers working behind the scenes, if you see anything on this, uh, shoot me a note before the show ends. Uh, what I wanted to talk about originally, which now I guess seems relatively inconsequential, but still, I try to give the people what they want is the descent of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau into what we can only effectively call Jukebox Justin. If you haven't seen the clip right now, where the heck have you been? But here it is just for posterity. Here is our Prime Minister in the lobby of the Corinthia Hotel in London. So that was theoretically Bohemian Rhapsody. Again, he didn't even try for the really high note, which is unfortunate. I I feel if you're going to do Bohemian Rhapsody, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to Queen, and you owe it to the people watching to go up instead of going down. But uh, Justin Trudeau decided to play it safe because, you know, apparently there is still some, there is still some semblance of shame and self-awareness that when he is in the United Kingdom for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II's state funeral, which is a rather somber affair for a 
a member of the Commonwealth and for all of the other leaders of government and heads of state there. And he decides, you know what, 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 what the world really needs right now to break through the sadness of Her Late Majesty's passing is an unsolicited vocal solo by the Prime Minister of Canada in a London hotel lobby. Now, we have to talk about the baby steps towards progress here. We have to talk about the little victories. He was not in blackface. This is a little victory. He was not wearing the outfit that would be more fitting on a Bollywood bridesmaid. Again, step in the right direction. He wasn't throwing himself down the Corinthia's grand lobby staircase, which is his go-to party trick, as we've learned for much, much of his adult and adolescent life. No, he was just singing, just singing. So you may say, well, it's not a huge deal. That's been the Canadian media's response to it. But what's interesting is that when you look at how other people around the world see it, they actually are embarrassed by this. They think that Jukebox Justin has in fact embarrassed Canada on the world stage once again. This was just to give one example here, a clip from Jesse Waters' show on Fox News. Justin Trudeau decided the best way to honor the Queen's legacy would be to fly to London, wear a t-shirt, get drunk at a British pub, and do karaoke. Now, I thought that clip was a bit longer, but nevertheless, what was happening here is Justin Trudeau decided to do this. Now, I don't know if he was drunk or not. I think when a lot of people, like the Daily Mail used the word drunk as well in its headline, and Jesse Waters used the term drunk, I think what a lot of people need to realize is he does that sober. Like, he does that sober. So you think that just based on behavior alone, he's drunk. No, he actually does that sort of stuff. So let's not give him credit that this was alcohol-induced, when I think we can say this was just Trudeau-induced. But Jukebox Justin decides to sing, decides to sing Bohemian Rhapsody. And the foreign media, whether it's Fox News, the Daily Mail, even the Telegraph in the UK, which is not a, an explicitly right-wing paper, they were talking about how this was an embarrassment. And you look at Canadian media, and what Canadian media decided to do was really just start making excuses. You had all of the usual suspects from CBC and CTV line up and saying, is this really what we're worried about? Does anyone really care? Is this really a problem? And look, as far as top 10 scandals of Justin Trudeau, certainly even top 10 scandals of Justin Trudeau embarrassing Canadians in the world on the world stage, I'd say this is relatively low on the list. But that's far more of a reflection of Justin Trudeau than it is of the circumstances, that he's done just many things that are more embarrassing than this. And this isn't really something that, uh, in the grand scheme of things, stands up as being the most embarrassing. No, I think India was much worse. I think the whole package of India's scandals and controversies, not just the costumes, but also inviting a convicted terrorist along, I think was fairly embarrassing. I think Trudeau's many snubs or attempted snubs at Donald Trump were embarrassing. Now, those ones maybe curried him some favor a little bit, but I think what we're talking about here is a guy who continues to do this. And my question is, is there anyone on his team that is prepared to say no to him? Is there anyone on his team that's prepared to say you know, listen, Prime Minister, I know you really want to sing. Maybe you could sing in your room. 
Maybe you could just go on YouTube and, you know, Google uh, Bohemian Rhapsody Karaoke and you could just have a little quiet contemplative solo to yourself. Why do you need to be the center of attention in this way at Her Late Majesty's State Funeral? Again, I mean, if he were to do this on some rant, like he's in New York right now for the UN. If he were to go to some New York karaoke bar and do this, I would probably roll my eyes, but I'd say, all right, well, who the heck cares? He's there for a state funeral. It's an official state visit. He is representing Canada, not just in a figurative sense, but in a literal sense. And we're all to believe that the Canadian media is only interested in defending him. They're not even interested in covering the story. They're not interested in really getting to the bottom of the why. Maybe you can't. Maybe that would be a fruitless task. But it's absolutely insane that everyone else around the world, even as far as journalists are concerned, is prepared to say the obvious. But it's the epitome of, like, the emperor is wearing no clothes here with the Canadian media. They're all, I mean, we're all the kid looking, saying, I mean, he's clearly an idiot. And they're all uh, saying, oh, well, no, it's great. Everything's fine. He's wearing the clothes. He's doing this, like, scaramouche, scaramouche, yeah. Uh, and uh, look, I, I find that it's not about joyless pearl clutching. It's not about saying, oh, the prime minister's not supposed to have a sense of humor. He's not supposed to let loose. I mean, when Stephen Harper decided to bust out and sing and play the piano, it was always at an appropriate point. It was at an appropriate point. And that's the difference here between what's happening in the Justin Trudeau context. And by the way, I, let's just take a look at the reception he's getting, because I remember when he was getting heckled and booed and jeered during the federal election campaign, uh, he blamed it on the unvaccinated. He blamed it on the far right, and he blamed it on people sowing discontent and discord and all of that. Uh, but this is what happens when Justin Trudeau is walking around in England, a foreign country. Now, I have a lot of family in the United Kingdom. I've spent a lot of time in the United Kingdom. If you haven't, that's okay. Boo is not a Britishism for we love you, Justin, keep up the good work. You, you may think it is. You may think that boo is just British for we love you, vote liberal, build back better. But believe it or not, in England, boo means the same as it means here, which is we do not like you. Now, do I believe that people should be jeering in front of a world leader in their own country when they're there for a state visit to pay respects to the sovereign? No, I, I don't believe that we should politicize that. But I also feel that if he is politicizing it first, if he shoots first on the politicization game, they have a right to say, you know what, we're going to give you a bit of a heckle when you're walking from point A to point B. So the the aspect of this that is far more unique than Justin Trudeau just doing this is the media response to it or the media non-response. And at first this was only circulating on social media. And I was amazed. I mean, the PMO explained this. The first comment they gave was to Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun. And they said, well, yes, you know, uh, but the reason he did it was because the pianist had the Order of Canada. Like their, their explanation was, well, yes, but it was like an Order of Canada recipient that was uh, playing the piano. And then lots of people were joining in. So why wouldn't Justin Trudeau join in? Why wouldn't the prime minister uh, just start belting away two nights before the queen's funeral? 
And I'm like, well, yeah, when you put it like that, uh, I guess he really had no choice. Isn't that the case that, you know, this was, this all just sort of happened. So eventually, if this sort of gains steam, what we're going to find is like every other Justin Trudeau scandal, this is going to be a learning opportunity for all of us, everyone except him. It'll be, well, you know, I I can see uh, how we all need to learn to do better. And we all need to think of when it's appropriate to sing. And we all need to uh, reflect on when it's appropriate to belt out Bohemian Rhapsody and whatnot. And by the way, I, this, this is neither here nor there, but I have to point it out. If you're going to do a song in this sort of forum, let's not do the most overused song by Queen at karaoke. Don't do Bohemian Rhapsody. If you like th- that, do Under Pressure. Do Don't Stop Me Now. Don't Stop Me Now would have been a great one, except the problem is that Justin Trudeau couldn't get away with singing Don't Stop Me Now because all of us would have tried to stop him very early on. So I guess that's where we're going with this. In any case, I wanted to uh, shift away from uh, London Hotel solos uh, back to uh, Canadian politics on home soil here. We covered a little over a week ago the Conservative Party of Canada's leadership results uh, in which Pierre Polyev very handily won the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada on the first ballot. And what we see now is, I think, a big question about the place that the Conservative Party of Canada has in Canadian politics and what that means for the broader conservative movement and libertarian movement. So I wanted to bring in Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada and a good friend of this program, on to discuss this. I was just talking earlier about this poll that came out uh, from Nanos today showing the conservatives at 31%, PPC at 3%. It's one poll. You never want to extrapolate too much. But, but what do you think is the strength or health right now of the PPC? Well, it's a big difference between us and the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, I believe that, you know, there's a lot of difference between us and the Conservative. Uh, they have a new leader, yes. Uh, that new leader, Pierre Polyev, is more popular than Andrew Scheer or um, uh, are the, the other leaders that they had before. And I believe that uh, Pierre Polyev is more intelligent than O'Toole and is a better communicator. So I think that's a good news for the Conservative Party of Canada. But also the big difference between us and the conservative is the way that we are doing politics. Uh, As you know, we are doing politics based on ideas and conviction. And, you know, it's not because something is not popular or politically correct that we won't speak about it. Uh, We will speak about the values that we believe are very important for the future of this country. And the conservative and Polyev are doing politics uh, based on survey and polling. And Polyev uh, was very popular during the last leadership contest because he spoke like a conservative. Actually, O'Toole did that also. And he said, I'm the true blue. And Polyev, you know, you need actually to speak like a conservative during a conservative contest. And now uh, Polyev will want to have more support. And I believe that they will do some compromise with their ideas. But also, he's not speaking about something that is very important for Western Canadians and the alienation from Western Canadians. They are fed up with the federal government that is uh, uh, and that is not respecting the constitution and you know doesn't do anything to build pipelines. And also, Polyev didn't speak about the equalization formula. That is a very important for all Canadians. We must be less generous. We must change the formula. So we have a lot of policies that are very different than the conservative. I can add uh, climate change. 
uh, Pierre won't impose a carbon tax. I understand that, but he will have to impose more regulations. For us, we won't uh, sign the Paris Accord. We will withdraw from that Paris Accord. So there's a lot of distinction, and, um, and we'll see what will happen in the near future. I heard anecdotally from a lot of people in the last two federal elections, but certainly the last federal election when the PPC did very well, almost tripled its vote share over 2019. And I heard people say things like, well, I'm going to vote PPC, but if someone like Pierre Polyev or Leslin Lewis were the leader of the Conservatives, if someone like Pierre Polyev or Leslin were there, I would vote Conservative. So now that is there. And a lot of people, for example, that were supporters of the convoy and supporters of the PPC have now a choice between uh, two politicians who were there and speaking about mandates. So how do you recapture or hold on to some of those people that voted PPC that uh, were actually not supporters of the Conservatives last time, but might be this time? I believe that we will grow. Actually, we did that in the past from 0% in 2018, 1.6 in 2019, 5% at the last election, you're right. And I don't know what will be the issue for the next election. And I believe that we won't be in election in the it this fall, it can be in a year or two years. That being said, if it's the immigration, we are the only party that is speaking for saying no to mass immigration, for sustainable immigration. Poliev and Trudeau and, and Jack Mead are on the same, uh, the same wagon on that. They, they want more and more immigrants. That can be a subject of our next campaign. It can be also the economy, we don't know. But we have strong policy and that can be the future of our country. As you know, right now in Alberta, there's an independence party in Alberta, 32% of Albertans want to separate and we are the only national party that is addressing that, saying we need to have radical decentralization. We need to give more autonomy to provinces. We are speaking about that. So I don't know what will be the main issue at the next election, but we will be there. We have the same platform and that will be the same one. And I don't know what will be the platform of the Conservative Party of Canada, because like I said before, they will do polling and focus group before the election. And after that, they will do some compromise, try to have more votes in uh, Ontario and Quebec. As you know, there's more seat in the GDA than in all Alberta. So that's why let's uh, wait and see. But for us, people understand we are doing politics differently. We will always be the same and always fight for what we believe for a smaller government in Ottawa that will respect provincial jurisdiction and respect our charter of rights and freedoms. I know it's a question you get off asked all the time, and I, I know it's an annoying question, but I, I think the audience also is very interested in your answer to it. So I hope you'll indulge me, Maxime. But the idea of a merger, because we, we've seen the right split in the past in history when the Reform Party was born out of the Progressive Conservative Party, and eventually they came together as the Conservative Party of Canada. What are the circumstances that would need to happen for a PPC Conservative Party of Canada merger if something like that would ever happen under your leadership? I want to use the example that you just used at the past, you know, the Reform Party of Canada. Yes, the Reform Party of Canada did merge with the, uh, at, at the end, it was a conservative, the progressive conservative party, but in between the Canadian Alliance, as you know. But uh, what is the legacy of Stephen Harper? We had 10 years, and I was part of that, of a conservative government. What is his legacy? 
I, I, I can name only ending the weed board. That's it. And so, you know, we won't do that mistake. We will always fight for what we believe. We cannot trust the Conservative Party of Canada. We don't, they are conservative when they are in the leadership contest. And after that, we don't know. With O'Toole, we knew he went, he went all the way to the left. Polyev will do that maybe a little bit later. So it's not my responsibility to help elected conservative candidates. My responsibility is to help our candidates, our PPC candidates, to be elected. So answering your question, we won't merge. Because what happened in the past, you know, we are the new reform party. 90% of our platform, it's based on the old blue book, the reform party. So we won't do any compromise with our ideas and we won't do the mistake that Preston Manning did. One thing that I would ask you about the PPC, and I know that you have a lot of things in your platform that touch on a number of issues, from Indigenous issues to ending supply management and so on. But I, last time, I mean, overwhelmingly, when I went to your rallies and I, I covered your, you on an Alberta tour, and when I interviewed you, the biggest topic was vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. And this was an issue that uh, no one else in Canadian politics was speaking up on. It was only the PPC, and I, I commend you for that, Maxime. If those issues issues are not live issues in the next election. How do you get people who might have only been introduced to the PPC because of that to stick around? I think the ending the mandates, it's not, you know, we still have to work on that. Actually, tomorrow I'll be in the court in Ottawa uh, with Brian Petford. We are fighting for our rights to freely travel across this country against the vaccine mandates that uh, Trudeau imposed to us on unvaccinated Canadians. Uh, and it's important to do that fight in the court because we want to have a legal precedent and like that it would be impossible for any government to impose these kind of mandates on Canadians. So we are doing that fight also in the court. But yes, you're right. Maybe at the next election it won't be COVID-19 and I hope it won't. But that being said, there's a big difference with us, you know, climate change. Now we are living in a climate hysteria everywhere. We are the only party that is saying no and we will withdraw from the Paris Accord. Immigration, it's another big challenge. Mass immigration at the Roxham Road in Quebec. People are still crossing our border illegally. We are the only party that is speaking against mass immigration for sustainable immigration, a maximum of 150,000 a year, with the big majority of them being skilled immigrants. Uh, the Conservative won't speak about that because it's not popular. Like Polyev didn't speak against the mandate because it was not popular in 2020. Polyev is an opportunist politician and is speaking about things when they're popular. For him, the most important is not to be on the right side of the uh, current issue, is to be on the popular side. And that's, what the, that's why I said the Conservative Party is intellectually and morally corrupt. They don't fight for real conservative values. And we are doing that. And that's why, and I'm very pleased right now that Polyev is speaking against the mandate. It's a sign that the freedom fighters, that truck truckers, that ourselves and all the freedom fighters across the country won the battle because, yes, we were a French minority in the beginning in 2020. And after two years, now we are part of the majority. So for Polyev, he can speak about it and he's doing that. So I don't know what will be the issue next time, but the BBC will be there always to fight for a smaller government in Ottawa that will respect our rights 
and respect the autonomy of every province. Uh, just before I let you go, Maxime, I wanted to ask you about this little victory you had in Saskatchewan this week. Now, oftentimes it's hard to affect change directly when you're not in Parliament, but uh, you and your uh, one of your, your lieutenants in uh, Western Canada, Kelly Lawrence, ha- had posted this uh, on Twitter, and it did very well that the Saskatchewan Public Health Line, I think it's like 511 or 811 or something, had on its main menu, you know, press one if you want to speak to a nurse, press to number five was if you want help with assisted death you press five and this is the number that uh, people were dialing if they had a mental health crisis as well and in your uh, advocacy on this they've actually removed this now yeah i'm very pleased with that it took them a couple of weeks but the common sense has prevailed and that's important they were promoting uh, assistant suicide and when they're doing that uh, Actively, the federal, the provincial government was doing that actively. When you know that in our healthcare uh, uh, jurisdiction right now and healthcare system, it's not, it's not working well. We have wait time for surgeries and long waiting lists. So that being said, when you're promoting that, when and the goal of the, that number eight one one is for you to have the medical assistance, not to have somebody that will tell you, hey, if you want to die, by the way, we can help you. Yeah, just press five. Yeah, press five. I was very pleased that they understand, and and that was a, a victory for us. But not only us. Uh, common sense people, Canadians, that called the minister and said, hey, you must stop that. I voted for that legislation, Utanieza, when I was a, a member of parliament, but now we need to we need to change that legislation because it must be more restrictive. Now they're promoting that and it's not only at the end of the life when it was supposed to be, when you you have an extreme medical situation. And I think that we must review uh, that legislation to have put more restrictions on the use of that option for Canadians. Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada. Always good to talk to you, Maxime. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you, Andrew. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. All right. And you as well, Maxime. And again, I'm sorry about the uh, technical issues we encountered there, but glad we moved beyond those. Uh, Maybe it's like C11 in action already, where you uh, bring a PPC leader on and it just like the line goes dead. So uh, not that like Justin Trudeau is standing with the scissors, but at the uh, the Ethernet cable. But in any event, we have also, uh, by the way, I should say in the interest of fairness here, we cover the broader conservative with a small C movement in this country. We've asked uh, Pierre Polyev to come on the program now that he is conservative leader and the spot is available to him should he decide to take us up on it uh we're very glad that maxime bernier did and uh we are we're good to talk to, it's good to talk to him so uh, i just want to before we wrap things up here talk about this very small Actually, it's not a small issue, and I'm sure we'll delve into this later in the week on Fake News Friday, Harrison Faulkner and I, but CBC ran a story yesterday, It's a Slippery Slope, How Young Men Fall into Online Radicalization. Now, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, it's going to be another one of these like evil far-right sort of things, and and that's exactly what it was, but they, they took it and went like so bizarrely with it here. And if you read the story, it centers around this one guy who's 21, a man by the name of Reed Brown, who's like a reformed right-wing radical, I guess. He, he says, or the article says, Reed Brown remembers the first time he got sucked in by the algorithm. He was just 13, watching videos after school when YouTube started pushing him to controversial content. Ooh, see that? It's controversial content. As time went on, the videos became increasingly extreme. 
says Brown. Now, what does he mean? What, what's an extreme video? Well, as he says, it started out pretty benign. You're watching something about teen fashion, and then the next thing you know, the algorithm would push you to a propaganda video about Adolf Hitler. Oh, wait, no. Hang on. What is this? Oh, the next thing you know, the algorithm would push you to a Ben Shapiro video. Okay, but then did it get extreme? No, that's where it ends. So he saw a Ben Shapiro video on YouTube and he's concerned that it was radicalizing and it was extreme. And this is how the CBC reporter decides to editorialize this. Though Shapiro describes himself as a conservative political commentator, his views are controversial and some are outright discriminatory. He's suggested, for example, that transgender people suffer from a mental disorder in scare quotes. Well, Whatever you think about trans politics and policies, gender dysphoria, which is at the core of transgenderism, is in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Guide for Psychiatric Conditions. So it's not outright discriminatory, it's a statement of fact. Now, how you respond to that fact is something that we can all disagree on and or agree on, perhaps. It's what you do about bathroom policy, gender-confirming surgery, all of that. But to say that it's outright discriminatory and radical seems like a bit of a stretch. And the author throws like a little bit of a bone. He says, well, Shapiro is not affiliated with any hate group. Oh, gee, thanks. Experts in media, gender studies, and the radicalization of young men say that the commentator's content is prevalent in online extremist communities. So it's the old like logical fallacy they teach you in first year philosophy. The, you know, Hitler is a vegetarian. Uh, I'm a vegetarian. Therefore, I'm like Hitler or something like that. It's like, so because someone liked a Ben Shapiro video and they might be extreme, you're extreme. And because Reed Brown didn't like it, it's radicalizing. So I'm starting to feel like I'm like desperately trying to connect the dots here, but I don't even think there's like a crayon with enough wax to like get from one dot to the other because they're so far away. And I posted about this on Twitter and I had said, I think not uncontroversially, that this is a potentially defamatory thing. The author of the piece, a man by the name of Brock Wilson, ended up like seeking me out and responding to me on Twitter. I didn't tag him or anything. I wasn't interested in a, a Twitter fight, but he responded and decided to take issue with what he says was a bad faith tweet on my part. And what Brock Wilson says is, uh, it was a three-part tweet. He said, it feels disingenuous to suggest this is defam defamatory or that the piece says simply watching Ben Shapiro amounts to radicalization. It says no such thing. In fact, I explicitly state that Shapiro is not affiliated with any extremist groups. Well, I say, look, you say that he became, you say that Reed Brown's videos were increasingly extreme, and that's a lead-in to a quote where the most extreme thing mentioned, if you can even call it that, is that the guy saw a Ben Shapiro video on YouTube. So yeah, you did say it, and you can't say you didn't, and this is just an absurd hatchet job by CBC, and if it is defamatory, I hope Ben Shapiro does, in fact, file a lawsuit against CBC. So uh, to talk about uh, CBC defunding, which Maxine Bernier has argued he wants to do, Pierre Polyev has argued he wants to do it, perhaps this could be like Exhibit A on that. That does it for us for today. We'll be back in a couple Today's time with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is the Andrew Lawton Show on True North. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to the Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.